0: I haven't been a human in like four days, so.
1: I haven't been a human in 26 and a half years.
0: Welcome to Blind Spotters, a movie podcast about the movies we missed. I'm Zach Pocklib. I'm Amanda Luberto. And today we are swapping different kinds of Rocky. I watched Rocky Horror Picture Show for the first time and Amanda watched Creed. But before we get to that, Amanda, how are you doing? I'm doing good. This is uh, one of my
1: favorite sports franchises. I'm really happy to have watched yet another one. And uh, one of my favorite cult classics. We're doing good. We're feeling good. Things out here are hot still i know this will come out in a couple months hopefully it'll be not that hot when this episode i hate comes to break out. it to you amanda
0: in november it's still hot in phoenix
1: i know but i'm i'm <laughs> hopeful you know it has been kind of okay this summer but it will we'll see how it goes but these are two movies i'd say we're both also very thankful for that's another oh, yeah. good theme yeah nice we love uh, yeah, giving
0: thanks we love we gorging love, on these movies we um, love eating
1: stuffing As well
0: Love stuffing Love stuffing What's your favorite Thanksgiving side?
1: Oh, I knew you were going to ask that as soon as I brought up stuffing Um, (laughs) uh, Stuffing is super high up there I really like Uh stuffing I don't want fancy stuffing though Like give me just like box stuffing
0: Can I admit something to you? Yes Like a month ago, I was just kind of having a day And so I was at the grocery store And I, I bought some stovetop stuffing And made it for myself like that's it. I just ate the stuffing. <laughs> a self-care
1: like... king. I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, love stuffing. Love, I'm a big sweet potatoes gal. The last mm. couple of years we have redefined the Liberto's sweet potatoes in a more savory direction. What else do I love? I like cranberry sauce, but I make sort of like a cranberry. It's almost like a relish consistency, more than uh, like a okay. jelly consistency. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah anyway, yeah. what about you? What's your what's your go to Thanksgiving sides?
0: Honestly, and this is probably a development in the last five years, love a great green bean casserole.
1: Oh, I fuck so hard with a green bean casserole. <laughs> I fucking you know what? Scratch everything I said before. That's the right answer.
0: Like, midway through that sentence, I wasn't sure which way that was going for you. I'm glad we are on the same side of it. Uh, last Thanksgiving, since we were still in a pandemic, I just cooked a Thanksgiving dinner for myself, and mm-hmm. I spent probably an hour and a half making a green bean casserole from like scratch, I guess. Like, That's... I made like a bechamel sauce. and Wow. It, it, yeah, it it, it fucking slaps. I ate that whole damn thing.
1: Dude, maybe big... I'll make one. Like, I have green beans. Maybe I'll make a green bean casserole. <laughs>
0: Just try to manifest fall,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally, just like pretend that fall is happening, and then maybe it'll cool off. Wow, that's so great. All right, well, let's get back to our movies. So I'm doing good. <laughs> These movies are great. We love Thanksgiving food. How are you? How are you doing?
0: I'm doing solid. I've been traveling a lot lately. I've been to Denver, San Diego, Phoenix, just for work, pleasure, all, you know all the things. I watched the whole first season of Ted Lasso yesterday. Nice, y- you know me. I don't watch tv in chunks and yet what a joy
1: i have an amazing update for our our listeners i have finished mad men yeah i want to start it again
0: (laughs) yes exactly no so here's the thing it's such a soothing rewatch to just be like all right let me go to the office and see what my friends are up to
1: it was good it was a good fucking show dude nice yeah do you want to get to these movies yeah let's do it
0: do you want to tell people why we paired these movies
1: Yes. Okay, so forever you have wanted me to watch Creed. And we were trying to figure out sort of where to put it. And I had Rocky Horror Picture Show for you on sort of my long list. And jokingly, we sort of paired them together as like a placeholder and as we continued to do the show and as the show developed more, it kind of felt super right <laughs> to like put these movies together as different types of Rocky, which I think is a very fun little little topic.
0: Yeah, I'm just glad I got you know, got you to watch a sports movie do Let's a coin flip uh, call it.
1: Uh Tails. Heads. Oof. Okay. So you get to pick which movie we talk about
0: first. Yeah, we're going to talk about Rocky Horror Picture Show because I have like a lot of questions and some thoughts, but mainly questions.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I was really hoping you would pick this one first, so I'm excited. Give us the plot summary of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. We will be using the verbiage and the language that is in the movie when referring to the movie. Um, we don't condone the use of the phrase transvestite when talking about people, um, in the trans community, but that is what the the movie is referring. So we are going to do that only in context of talking about the movie.
0: Okay. So Brad Majors played by Barry Botswick and Janet Weiss, not Vice, Janet Weiss played by Susan Sarandon are a newly engaged couple whose car gets a flat tire in the middle of nowhere on a cold and rainy night. So they go back to a castle that they saw and find an eclectic group of people holding their annual Transylvanian convention. Soon, they meet their leader, or, I don't know, head of the convention, homeowner, Dr. Frankenfurter, played by Tim Curry, who claims to have discovered how to create life itself. He then brings his creation, Rocky, played by Peter Hinwood, to life. And from there, things get even crazier. Uh, Frankenfurter murders a man named Eddie, who is played by Meatloaf, the musical artist and not the dish. Uh, Eventually, Brad and Janet's old science teacher, Dr. Everett Scott, played by Jonathan Adams, comes and reveals that he investigates UFOs for the government. And then as the night goes on, it's revealed that everyone in the castle is an alien. Frankenfurter at one point captures them and transforms them, them being Brad, Janet, and Dr. Scott into statues and then dresses the statues into costumes and Brings them back for a, like a live cabaret performance thing. Uh, Riff Raff, who is played by Richard O'Brien, and Magenta, played by Patricia Quinn, are Frank like housekeeper people. Interrupt the performance and say that they want to return to their home planet, transsexual, in the galaxy of Transylvania, and then subsequently kill Frank. Brad, Janet, and Dr. Scott are released when they go. Uh, the other people go home. And they go back to being like lost in time and lost in space and meaning and whatnot. How did I do?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. You did a great job. That was great. Uh, Great summary.
0: Can, Can you explain to me like why you told me to watch this movie?
1: Yeah. So this is sort of the quintessential cult movie. But I really like that it was sort of made to be a cult movie. It wasn't made to win any awards or like be considered a cinematic masterpiece it's almost a a parody of these like cheesy horror movies from the 1930s to the 1960s and first I appreciate that they got the response that they were going for because it definitely has like a huge cult following and like any list of like best cult movies of you know the century it's always going to be on there and i think it's just such an experience and it's a, it's a fun thing you can't explain unless watched or performed
0: that makes sense i did like it what an insane movie
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is an insane movie I watched it, obviously, for the podcast, and I hadn't seen it in maybe like two or three years. I watched it a lot in high school. Other than that, I hadn't seen it in a little while. I forgot how short it is, number one, but I forgot like how condensed it is also because it's so short.
0: Yeah, the thing moves. Everything adds to the plot. A very snappy movie.
1: All right. What were some of your first impressions aside from it being just an insane movie?
0: (laughs) Super fun. Everybody just looks like they're having a blast. (laughs) Uh, As they say, they all understood the assignment. Probably none more than Tim Curry. We'll get to him. But yeah, like you said, you just watch it and you're either like, oh, good for them and everybody that loves it. Or you're like, yes, this is the movie. I am in on all of this. And you look at Brad and Janet and you see them being like befuddled and being like, what the fuck and, like, that's kind of how you are as a viewer, too. I mean, at least from my perspective as a straight man. But it's not overwhelming in a way. It's, it's kind of, like, unrelentingly itself. But it, everybody's just having a great time. I, I don't know how else to kind of describe it.
1: Yeah, I liked your connection that, like, Brad and Janet are sort of the uh, avatar kind of going into it. And then your comment about, like, people being hot or cold about it. I think that it's either, like, people are all in or people understand what it did for movie culture, and then that's it. Like, they're like, I get it. Not my thing. Not knocking it, but not my thing. Um, I don't know if there's people who are like, I dislike this movie. (laughs) They're just like, I don't know. Not for me.
0: The funny part is, when I was watching it, like legit, I had a thought of like, man, if I was like from a small town and watching this movie, like for the first time and just being exposed to any of this for the first time, That'd be insane. I grew up in Las Vegas, so I was just like, yeah, okay. Like, <laughs> like yeah, I don't that's know, you true. just get used to a certain amount of zaniness when you grow up in Vegas. So that it's obviously like just the whole movie in a way kind of stood out. It's hard not to feel some sort of whelmed. But like once I kind of got past that, like I also didn't know what to expect from the music side of it all. And man, the songs slap. Like <laughs> Yeah, they're uh, like, they're you're,
1: super like earwormy. Uh, yeah. They just get stuck in your head really easily. Uh, it's really fun. So the the show famously has what's called a shadow cast production, which means that you go to a movie theater or you go to like a production theater and they will play it on a screen and then the audience members participate as well. And that's called shadow cast. And that is sort of like what Iraqi horror is famous for and how it has sort of like lived on this long and that adds to like how good the songs are is that you could probably only see the movie like once or twice and also like then still participate because the the songs are so catchy that you'd be able to like pick it up pretty easily
0: yeah and like obviously we're going to talk about like the rocky horror picture show live production screening midnight Cult of it all as this goes on because it's impossible not to. This has been the longest running movie like ever. But yeah, it just seemed like one of those movies where it's like, oh, this is where I can kind of like sing along and participate, and it's like really easy. It's not like watching, I don't know, in the heights and trying to keep up with Usnavi. Also, I love the filmmaking of the movie in terms of like. Not to be shots guy, but like the shots are like just the fun little tricks, whether it's like, oh, you come out of the elevator into the lab and it's a point of view shot or just like the different kinds of smash cuts or the way Frank breaks the fourth wall. Sometimes all of those little fun bits, they don't come across as like gimmicky or cheap. It just is like an additive fun thing.
1: Yeah. And I think this goes to the fact that like this movie was made to be a parody of like a style of film. I think that this movie does a really good job of like the smash cuts is always what I think of. But the POV and like the breaking the fourth wall and all that stuff is is absolutely excellent as well. But I think that they were able to parody without making it corny like it could be way campier than it is and it's still pretty campy but i was gonna say it's pretty campy it's pretty damn campy but it could be like bad and campy Mm. which is a huge difference
0: yeah and i I mean like i feel like every article review thing I've ever seen about Rocky Horror Picture Show. It brings up like how quote unquote campy it is. And does anybody know what camp means anymore? And if you saw the, um, the Met Gala, like nobody understands what camp is. I literally wrote down in my notes, like theater kids must love this. Like the production, the set design, the costumes, like it all seems you know, kind of low budget, but also really meticulous and detailed. Like I read that a lot of the performers did their own makeup on set. You are just immediately immersed in this castle of a world. And it sets the rules of like, honestly, anything's going to happen. Like they kind of revealed that at one point they were eating Eddie, who was killed earlier in the movie. And I was like, yeah, okay. Sure. Like, <laughs> like it, I know it's supposed to be a shocking thing, but I was just like, i'm with it like are we sad about this are we happy like where where are we at um yeah so i mean i'm also like my nerve endings of emotions are like fried just from being a person in 2021 so like i guess i I didn't react as quickly as like probably the movie elicits but i was still like cool like let's yeah keep it going there's an rko tower where's citizen kane (laughs)
1: It's definitely one of those things where like you just have to buy into it. Like you just have to go with it or else you'll be like, this is terrible. But what were some of the things you've thought about most like since you've watched it? What's kind of ruminating in your head there?
0: Yeah. So let's just get the Tim Curry right now. I had no what idea if- that he was in this movie.
1: <laughs> That's incredible. That's like information that like I wish I could like remove from my head and experience for the very first time. That's so great. It- Tell me all of your Tim Curry thoughts. This is amazing.
0: Well, I mean, first of all, like I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't have a huge relationship to Tim Curry movies. Like you could tell me he's in a lot of things and it'd be like, oh, that's Tim Curry.
1: It makes sense that I have a deeper relationship with Tim Curry movies than you do.
0: <laughs> like I, I haven't seen Clue. I haven't seen like, I don't know. What What are his other big movies? Uh, well, like?
1: He famously played Pennywise. Uh, okay. Was he, know. is he it?
0: What's extremely yes. a movie I've never seen?
1: Yes, he's in it. Um, but I again like I love Clue. Like I've probably seen Clue like in the forties range. Uh that movie's so funny. I have that on DVD. Yeah, Tim Curry's great. Like he he plays this type of role really well.
0: Yeah. So he is like all in. It's like not even a heat check. It's just like always on fire. He's really obviously like the driving centrifugal force of it all mainly because that's what his role is supposed to be but also like if he has any like hint of hesitancy in his performance it all kind of falls apart from there 100 like, from the moment you meet him what an introduction <laughs>
1: yeah i mean you need him to be as big and bold and out there and wild and going for it the whole time or else the whole movie doesn't work
0: he sets the precedent of yeah. Look, this is how insane this movie is gonna be. And not I don't mean insane in a bad way. I just mean like insane as in wholeheartedly in on it.
1: Especially at the time that this movie was
0: made. Like Yeah, it's 1975.
1: Yeah, like those roles like weren't celebrated or like it's hard to overstate how uh important it was for Tim Curry to just like be really just going for it the whole time with this yeah. thing but also like if you don't believe tim curry is dr frankenfurter you don't believe the rest of the movie so you you need him to be that over the top the entire time in order for any of it to work
0: He just rules in this movie i don't know i don't know how else to say like who the hell can pull off any of frankenfurter's costumes you know but
1: there's also like a sincerity to it like you don't think that he's like poking fun at
0: yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. a
1: cross-dressing community or a drag community or a trans community like there's there's none of that that's going on he's not like oh look at me in my silly little costume like there's there's none of that atmosphere he is just he is is living it i think you see that now more in like drag performances and there are some people who like drag as their life and that's like a, f- a fully different thing as well but he like took it seriously and went for it and like raised the standard for how this movie was going to be
0: yeah and and like to your point where it could have been caricature-ish or really just like haphazardly done uh, I think it's testament to obviously Tim Curry director Jim Sherman the screenplays written by Richard O'Brien that it's just it's never poking fun at Frankenfurter, but Yeah, I just, you know, got to give Tim Curry his flowers for just owning it, I guess.
1: And I think, like, another part of that um, comes with the fact that this character and this performance is meant to be, like, a truly androgynous performance. Like, it's not Tim Curry, a man dressing as a woman. It is truly Tim Curry, like, in full male voice, male features in fishnets and a corset. And there is both gender assumptions happening at the same time. And there is, you know, sexual fluidity throughout the whole thing as well. He creates a perfect man, but then also like takes Janet's virginity. And like, there's no box in which Dr. Frankenfurter fits in, which I think makes the character a lightning in a bottle, but also like like what you described earlier, where you're like anything could happen next. Whether it's like we, we built a, a buff tan blonde man or we're like eating our friend we met an hour ago, like it really anything can happen in the next like scene. And I think that's just because like you never know like what Frankenfurter is doing and it's because he's undefinable.
0: Yeah, he has to be like charming, but also kind of like threatening, but also at different points, like kind of tragic. It's, it's a really all encompassing. This gets used a lot, but like tour de force type of performance. Right. And yeah, like you said, it all falls apart if he doesn't ace it and he aces it. Another thing, obviously, I've thought about a lot since watching this movie is it's probably really important or like loved by the LGBTQ plus community, which is one of the few things I knew about the movie heading into it. Again, I'm a straight man. I don't want to be speaking out of pocket too much, but like what a world to put on screen. Like what a, what a, a scene to put on screen. In, again, 1975, this is like in the same movie year as like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Jaws and classic post-New Hollywood movies. And then also you have Rocky Horror Picture Show.
1: Everyone get your bingo card out. Even in the musical realm of this year is Grease. And that is like <laughs> gender roles. This yeah, is the yeah. man. This is the woman. They are in love. Like that... <laughs> Couldn't be more different than like the other big movie musical to come out that year of Rocky Horror Picture Show. But I, I do think that this is often a both like a movie, but also like the performance experience that people come to, like usually in their high school years. And there is just this sort of like safe space of expression that like Rocky Horror brings to to communities. And I imagine it's a very important tradition For certain members of the LGBT community who want to participate.
0: Yeah. And like, again, we'll probably touch on it more, but like you said, the, the like live performance of it all and the, you know, people can dress up in the costumes and play the characters and just go all in and just have that kind of safe space of a Rocky Horror community, whatever it is being shown. Um, so obviously that's super cool for everyone that kind of can participate or wants to participate in that. S- seems like a great time. And then lastly, to kind of put a bow on that, just thought about the both the movie and the book, Perks of Being a Wallflower, which has real like was really the informing text for me in terms of like being aware of what Rocky Horror Picture Show was. Like I remember reading the book and Charlie in his letters talking about the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and I had no idea what the hell that was. Like you know, so that prompted a Google search. And, and then in the movie, obviously, they, they show the the Rocky Horror Picture thing. And uh, again, that's really the only exposure I had to this movie, this cult classic at all. So, um, you know, shout and out to Perks.
1: Ezra Miller does such a good job uh, in that scene, too. It makes me it makes me really happy every time. I, lo- I like that scene a lot.
0: Shout out to Perks of being a wallflower. Shout Shout out to Tumblr. There's your bingo card.
1: There you go. There's your bingo card. Shout (laughs) out to Tumblr. All right. What were some of the things you looked up about the movie after you finished it?
0: Uh, Truly, I was like, how the hell did they make this in 1975? Like, like, how the fuck? Uh, Yeah. In in the best way possible, I was like, what the fuck? And to pull my best Amanda, it was a play. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Richard O'Brien wrote it when he was an unemployed actor in London. And then from there... Uh, it got picked up and performed in different places. I think it started was as a production in London and Mm then was in LA and then was in New York. And then from Mm -hmm. there kind of became a movie, but like relatively quickly, it was written in the early seventies. And then obviously, like we said, this movie came out in 1975.
1: Yeah. The first stage production was in 73 in London, ran there for a while, obviously seventies, it went to New York, then LA. Um, And as you said, kind of kind of went all over after that but definitely the movie aspect of it helped it become like internationally popularized and not just in these like small artist communities that were had probably exposure to it but richard o'brien the man who uh wrote the music for it plays riff raff huh
0: i mean i guess i said like i guess i said it like i said like Riffraff played by richard o'brien but i just didn't put it together same richard <laughs> o'brien so. what a concept uh, I, I just wow. love that he's
1: like i want to be in this movie and the part i want to play is riffraff
0: <laughs> it, the part i want to play is the guy the hunchback who like fires a laser
1: yeah
0: like <laughs> same great. dude yeah and then after uh that kind of deep dive of how the hell did this get made was like how did critics feel about it and honestly i could kind of predict like some critics would be like what the hell is this um others would just kind of ignore it roger ebert gave it like two and a half stars but also it's like not a movie for critics, right? Like that's the thing, right? There's sometimes movies where it's like, this isn't for critics, it's for kids, or this isn't for critics, it's for blank. This is one of those movies to me.
1: Yeah. And that was what I was attempting on explaining earlier when I said why I picked it. Like it was made specifically to not be a movie for critics. Like it was made to be this sort of like, unlovable lovable thing and i love that it just like had the wherewithal because a lot of like cult movies are only good after like 10 or 15 years that people are like this shitty movie is actually uh great ironically and this movie <laughs> was like made to be ironically shitty but that was the point um so finding out that roger eber gave it two stars is the least surprising thing that's happened to me uh all year
0: <laughs> no, he gave it two and a half he got he gave that extra oh. half star that's good Raj, good old Raj, and then it's going to be a lot of like the same things. I looked up in, in like Chicago, um, but I looked <laughs> up if Susan. Kr- First of all, I didn't know Susan Sarandon was in this movie either. Yeah, hell so yeah. So I was like, I was like, oh, I know who that is. I've seen the, <laughs> I've seen Boulderham I know who that is. <laughs> or I've been a go. person since. Yeah. 1980 and i was like can she sing and uh she did sing in the movie she wasn't really like super comfortable singing they made her sing happy birthday in her audition she did well enough i read that when she had seen the production i think in la nobody made janet like very funny and so she kind of went at it like oh i can give a little bit more life to this janet character in my own way and then she does like a serviceable job singing
1: oh that's awesome i didn't i didn't know that uh part of it that's really cool
0: yeah, and then lastly the last thing I looked up was actually this was like I looked up before watching the movie was is there a rocky horror picture show production in Las Vegas near me which like is the most predictable yes, but like many of the productions uh, around I guess probably the world it had gotten like shut down or postponed because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um so hopefully that can, you know, get going again because that'd be cool to go to uh just because I feel like yeah i've seen the movie and like so it's not in my blind spot but i i haven't fully experienced the rocky horror picture show until i go see the rocky horror picture show and i can be the virgin sitting in the crowd and get called out because i don't know all the songs or i don't know all the words to the songs like damn it janet or you know i I can't do the time warp
1: i i fully support you going to a production of it
0: it's so fun
1: should we talk about sort of like how to participate right now
0: yeah give me and like the listeners the guide of like what i don't know about what to expect or how to act i guess is the better question how to act yeah. at a rocky horror picture show performance
1: okay so i wanted to start by like how the shadow cast version sort of like came about because this is one of my favorite fun facts about this movie is that it came like very naturally. The movie started having these midnight movie premieres every weekend while the show was like sort of in the underground gaining popularity. And people were just coming literally week after week after week and seeing the movie literally every single Saturday night at midnight for like weeks on end. And so naturally, the movie's not very dense. You you'll learn the lyrics, you learn some of the lines, but you start to have opinions about the characters. And the whole thing started when a teacher, when Janet, when they're in the car, when she puts the newspaper over her head when they like get out of the rain, he screams Buy an umbrella, you cheap bitch. And like that's how like <laughs> that is Jesus. how like yelling at the screen became an aspect of Rocky Horror Picture Show when you see it and like how the shadow cast came. So there is what they call callbacks and audience participation when you go and see it. Some of my favorite ones is anytime Brad is on screen, you scream asshole. And every time Janet's on screen, you scream slut, except <laughs> you usually try to start doing that after Janet's already had sex. So if you do it beforehand, there's primarily like going to be somebody else in the room that's like, ah, give her a week at least. Like, like someone else will like call back <laughs> at you of like you you did it like a little too soon. That's always fun. Obviously, you do the time warp with them. There's also aspects of you like throw things at the screen and you like participate in that. So you could bring a water gun and whenever it's raining, you like shoot water into the air. In the beginning, when the the wedding scene is happening, you throw your popcorn or rice into the air. The rubber glove scene, um, you like snap your rubber gloves or the noisemakers when uh, we're going to meet Rocky for the first time. Whenever they scream, Great Scott, you're supposed to throw a roll of toilet paper at the screen. When they uh want to have a toast at dinner, once like the professor is there, everyone throws toast at the screen. Like there's a lot of fun <laughs> stuff like that. But honestly, like as you end up watching the show, like it all kind of becomes like pretty clear. Like I, I took my sister, I think last year, if not the year before, to her first Rocky Horror Picture Show. And like by halfway through, like she kind of had caught on as like when you say what. The main thing is if it's your first time, you have to put a V on your head in red lipstick to indicate that you're a virgin and that you have not done Ah. it before. There is uh, most likely a chance someone might pull you on stage if you're a little too close because you are a virgin at the scene where all of the statues like come back to life or during the time warp so there's like little things but i fully support going sitting in the back secretively experiencing it (laughs) and then the next week coming back and admitting you're a virgin and kind of participating (laughs) and then Every time you go after that, you kind of like know what you're up to, but it's a fun time. Like you get to dress up, you get to yell at things, you get to swear, you get to throw toast. Like it's kind of a good time had by all.
0: As two people who enjoy a good mosh pit, uh, I'm sure like just any <laughs> sort of visceral release in public with people you don't really know, but to feel a kinship with is always a special moment or a special couple hours to spend. And so, um, yeah, it seems like a blast. Thank you for the, uh, the lesson. That was Amanda's Rocky Horror Corner, I guess. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm glad I could help. (laughs) Did you notice, because I am really bad at this kind of stuff, but I noticed this last time that in the very first wedding scene,
0: Tim Curry plays the priest. No, because I honestly didn't know what Tim Curry looked like.
1: Oh, fair. Well, That was something I noticed this time after seeing it a thousand times. And (laughs) I'm sure once I saw it, I was like, oh, then they like kind of pointed out to you a couple different times. (laughs) It's kind of obvious. (laughs) How did I miss this all these years?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I'm sure like I feel like when you watch Rocky Horror Picture Show, you're not locked into the first wedding scene. Yeah. You're like, all right. yeah, Yeah, yeah. Let's get to the first song.
1: Yeah. Damn it, Janet. What a great first song.
0: Well, In that vein... And To spring another question on you, do you have a favorite song from this movie?
1: I saw this in the outline, and so I've been trying to think about it, but I think Touch It, Touch a Touch Me is my favorite song in the musical because it just like encapsulates this sort of like sexual freedom that they all have and i love seeing her just like say fuck it like i think it's so funny and it's so cute but i mean time warp is obviously a classic damn it janet is great obviously there's really no no flats in here there's a couple that aren't as good as others but they're all really solid but i think touch 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 me has to be my favorite one Which one uh, kind of resonated as like, you're like, oh yeah, this one, this one jams.
0: I don't know if it's like the one that I'm like, yeah, that's the best one. But like, I just have think, I just think about Damn It, Janet the most because it was the song where it was like, he starts talking like kind of melodically, then it breaks out into song. And then he says, Damn It, Janet or whatever the first time. And then it cuts to the two people just standing by the door who start participating in the song too. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Uh, What is happening? It's that kind of movie. Okay.
1: And and those
0: two people are
1: Riff Raff and Magenta.
0: Okay, that's what I thought, but also yeah. I was just like I was like, what's <laughs> like, going on here?
1: What's happening? Yeah. Yeah.
0: The whole meatloaf bit of it all. I don't understand the meatloaf thing. Because I think
1: it's funny I, that you didn't know that also, but I guess if like I guess if you didn't know Tim Curry, you definitely wouldn't have known Meatloaf was in this movie.
0: <laughs> like anytime the subject of meatloaf comes up, like the artist, not the food. I have to compartmentalize it in my head as that, oh, we're talking about the artist Meatloaf, whose music I still have never listened to.
1: He's also in Fight Club.
0: Is he in Fight Club too?
1: Yeah, he plays uh Big Bob or whatever his name is.
0: Honestly, yeah. I didn't know Jared Leto was in the movie the first time I watched it and I, I I don't know. I, I a lot of things go over my head. Um when, especially in like overwhelming um and not in a bad way movies.
1: And like Eddie is like such like a, a random character in this movie. And I love that song. Like I think that song is so much fun. Um, I like noticed I was like singing along while I was uh, watching it. But it is definitely like we need a character to connect all these other characters. And that's like what Loaf does. And he comes in, does one rock song and then like gets the fuck out.
0: <laughs> oh, I do like the I can make you a man song.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was
0: fun. I love throughout all like the different songs when Frank is just being his like charming, dashing self. That like Janet kind of randomly starts singing.
1: That's where a lot of like Tim Curry's like fourth wall breaking kind of happens. Yeah. Is and yeah, yeah, I yeah. can make you a man. That's also when Janet for the first like she starts the song saying like I don't really like a, lo- a man with a lot of muscles. And he's like, well, I didn't make him for you. And then yeah. <laughs> toward the end of that that song, she's like, and I love his muscles. And everyone's like, what the fuck? <laughs>
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Seize muscles once.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And then like Rocky and Janet sort of start their love affair and Mm -hmm, it's so mm -hmm. it's so funny. Was there like a scene or something that sort of stood out to you? I know it's not necessarily something I always ask, but this this movie is like a few just like set pieces. And like they're all like different than Chicago, where it was like, and now we're cutting away to a cabaret style thing but this is sort of just like a collection of like moments a little bit was there like a certain thing or like a certain scene that kind of like stood out to you that you think
0: about a lot um probably just the first time they go to Frankenstein's lab because you've just been hit over the head with like being shown this kind of world that's in this castle and then you go to a laboratory and you find out that Frankenfurter is making a frankenstein which I guess it's like the obvious connection there, uh, Mm -hmm. Frankenstein monster. But that's where like three songs happen in just when you're up there, the the world is kind of just like pounding itself onto Brad and Janet and you see them kind of start to like be like, oh, this is kind of cool. But like, I know I'm not really this, but also like maybe I, maybe I am kind of feeling it. And it's like, I guess the most jarring because the rest of the movie, you're like, okay, these are the rules in the world or these are, this is the world we're in. Like, I didn't know people were going to get murdered in this movie. And, yeah. and so, like, once Frankenfurter murders Eddie, I was like, okay, I, I'm pretty sure this is, like, we've reached a threshold to a certain extent. Granted, you know, we can talk about how, what Frankenfurter does to Brad and Janet. Like, that's kind of uncomfortable. But, yeah. like, I was like, what the fuck is happening? But I was saying that for, like, an hour to that point.
1: There is a lot of aspects of the Frankenfurter character that, in a 2021 lens, are, you know... They wouldn't have done it this way, especially like the language used in the in the song, of course, is just not what we use anymore. There is absolutely an argument that those sexual awakenings on both ends could be seen as non-consensual assault. Yeah. Yeah. But I also like I do like that we got to experience it from Janet's point of view at first, because like she debates it. And then as, like, Frank and is ready to go, she's like, wait, hold on. <laughs> Maybe I, like, do you want to do fun some some stuff? And that is absolutely not how you should handle sexual relationships. That is not <laughs> what I'm saying. Do not push until someone says yes. But I think, like, in that moment, it did make me feel a little better that, you know, she eventually is like, wait, I kind of i kind of want i kind of want to try
0: i did like the bit where she turns on the screen and it just cuts to brad and he's just smoking a cigarette
1: yeah and he's like, <laughs> he's
0: like what the f- what am i what happened
1: he's got his like head in his hands yeah like, oh yeah goodness.
0: yeah no brad <laughs> and
1: then i love that like her response is to sleep with rocky and like now you, that also brings you to like one of the most famous scenes in the movie where it's like brad janet Rocky, oh, Brad, yeah. Dr. Scott, like, and they just like go back and forth. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. That is like a, a scene that gets played off of a lot in like pop culture. So there's a lot of like fun references that come out of this movie. But there's also like this movie has so many references. Like, mm-hmm. you know, obviously the Frankenstein's monster you're creating a dim life force for whatever you'd like to use him for obviously alien stuff you know the idea of transylvania as as p- depicted in um dracula movies um this sort of like hero and heroine lost in the in the wilderness on a dark night stumble upon you know a brooding castle like that's like very 1930s black and white horror movie so there's a lot of like references that it is creating but then also it itself creates a lot of references for the next like 45 years of movies what um, an experience what an experience do you have a character you would dress as if you ever went and dressed up
0: <laughs> i feel like you know i could pull off the the narrator guy you know just dress up in a three piece suit
1: yeah, the professor. And yeah, sort of yeah, like, yeah. you'd have to learn how to do the time warp, though, because you'd now have to explain it to people.
0: That's fine. That, I feel like I can get that part down. <laughs> Everything else, I'm not sure if I can get it down.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's instructions. So that's helpful. Yeah,
0: you, you've seen me dance. <laughs> I, I do best with instructions.
1: <laughs> All right. So I can safely assume that you'd be down to watch this movie again.
0: I don't know if I'll ever fire up Rocky Horror Picture Show again, but I'll watch like a production of Rocky Horror Picture Show. Like I'll go to it. Um yeah. I don't know if I'll ever be home and be like going to fire this movie up.
1: When you like go to the show, like you are watching the movie with people performing in front of the screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But you are not going to like sit at home and be like, "You know what sounds fun today?" <laughs> little
0: Rocky yeah, Horror. No. <laughs> Yeah, no, nah, probably not.
1: It's a fun one to watch clips of online. If you like ever have a song stuck in your head, you just go watch that a little bit.
0: Let it be clear. I like the movie. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I had a great time. I just, I don't know. I I don't know how many musicals I'm rewatching. I guess I watch High Society a lot, which is like the antithesis to this movie. But anyway, (laughs) uh, (laughs) um, no, I like the movie. I would recommend if you haven't seen it, you should watch it.
1: I picked it very specifically because I knew I would have to force it out of your blind spot, but that it has like cinematic value. And I'm glad that as a, as a cultured movie watcher that you've now seen it and you can say you've seen it.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cool. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we are going to get to Creed. The Blind Spotters podcast is not at all sponsored by Francis Boutique in Phoenix, Arizona. This small gift store is women-owned and operated and is the best spot for gifts for the upcoming holidays. If you're looking for someone to say, oh my God, it's perfect. Where did you get it? It's holiday season when they're opening up your gifts. Look no further than Francis Boutique. Please consider shopping small this Christmas and, as always, support local businesses.
0: Amanda, one step at a time, one punch at a time, one round at a time. It's time to talk about Creed.
1: Hell yeah. Tell me what
0: happens in this pitch-perfect motherfucking movie.
1: (laughs) A 10 out of 10. All right, so we meet Adonis Johnson, played by Michael B. Jordan, fighting in juvie. A woman comes, takes him home, flash forward a couple of years later. He's fighting in Tijuana. He's a grown adult, um, but then goes to like sort of a stuffy corporate job during the day. He quits. He goes to a boxing gym in Los Angeles where he's living and asks Apollo Creed's trainer's son to train him and is denied. Then we go to Philadelphia. So uh, Adonis referred to as Donnie moves to Philadelphia to track down his friend, his dad's friends slash opponent, Rocky Balboa played by Sylvester Stallone and asked to be trained by him after some convincing Rocky agrees, but tell him it's going to be hard work. Uh, There are many cool training sequences along scenes of Donnie falling in love with Bianca, a musician played by Tessa Thompson Uh, They fight against a local fighter and they win, but Donnie's real identity of being Adonis Creed gets out Apollo Creed's illegitimate child. Um, International heavyweight champion turned felon Ricky Conlon challenges him to a fight after finding out that he is uh, Apollo Creed's son. And after some back and forth, Creed and Rocky agree that they are going to fight him. While they are training... It comes out that Rocky has cancer. Even though he does not want to do chemo after what happened to his wife, Adrian, the two come to an agreement to fight. If the other one does, if you fight, I fight the duo travel to Liverpool for the fight where Donnie is gifted. His dad's famous red, white and blue boxing shorts with both names on it from his mother as an act of support. So we've got Creed in the front, but Johnson in the back as he's trying to create a name for himself. Creed and Conlon fight a lot, and it is very gruesome. And ultimately, again, our hero does not win the fight, but wins the night. Um, And the movie ends (laughs) with the duo uh, walking up the famed Rocky Steps in Philadelphia. It was kind of a simplification, but I feel like I did it.
0: Yeah, it's a sports movie. You told us who the hero was. You he told us what happened in the final game. That's all you could ask for.
1: I specifically appreciate the line I wrote. There are many cool training sequences.
0: <laughs> I feel like that could be a general line, like a log line for the Rocky franchise. Many cool training sequences.
1: Also, Miracle. Many cool training sequences.
0: <laughs> I was waiting to see how long it would take you to bring up Miracle, which is probably your like favorite sports movie. <laughs> because That's famously really you love hockey
1: it's true um but also famously i love rocky so this is great
0: <laughs> yeah with again my favorite surprise of 2020 because 2020 had a lot of surprises and none of them were good except for amanda texted me and saying rocky was good yeah i i was one of
1: the shining movies i watched last year for the first time all right so why I mean, was that why you picked me to watch this movie?
0: Well, I picked this movie because several things. First, as covered in our introduction pod, it's my favorite movie. But more importantly, I think it's the perfect blend of using the IP's nostalgia but to also make a great movie. Like there's mm-hmm. no this is like a number one no reason this movie should be this good type of movie. And in the I guess post MCU world that we live in now, it's rare that a movie saga is able to turn out something as good as Creed seven movies into the franchise and, like, kind of reinvigorate the franchise because this was this franchise was dead in the water pretty much after Rocky Balboa. But just as clarification, Amanda, how many of the Rocky movies have you watched?
1: Uh, just the first one, just Rocky, which again and Creed. is fine. That's it,
0: <laughs> which is fine. It was kind of like a fun test case of like. You know, I love this movie because I grew up on the Rocky movies. I feel like if you have a father figure of a certain age, you probably have your 80s action heroes or 80s sports movie heroes that just kind of get Im- embedded into your life. Like either you're like an Arnold Schwarzenegger guy or like John claude Van Damme or, you know, one of your Sylvester Stallone movies. And Rocky was really the one that like my dad and I would watch a lot, probably because he'd be like, watch this Rocky movie and then come work out with me.
1: Uh, <laughs> Isn't <laughs> my this like is fun? A- <laughs>
0: yeah exactly like oh let me try to do these one-arm push-ups but it was for for you who has only seen the first movie and don't have all the the myth making and the legacy of it all how did you what were the first impressions what stood out in this movie having only seen literally just rocky
1: i will shout it from the rooftops i love the character of rocky balboa i love him like <laughs> I, my, my, <laughs> I do the the thing I didn't understand about, and this is talking about Rocky, like actual Rocky. The thing I didn't understand about the movie and the franchise and the character is I was under the impression it was a hyper-masculine, very aggressive type character, and... It's, it's not like he's very sensitive. He like wants to impress the like girl next door who works at the pet shop. He like doesn't care that he loses in the end. Like it has not, it barely has anything to do with pride. Like it has everything to do with just like doing your best and like hopefully the girl will come along with you. And I was just like really surprised at the like take on masculinity when i watched rocky the first time and i love that that like that still like stayed very true to this character there was no the girlfriend is going to be a distraction like moment that could have happened like he just is like a very well-rounded character even if you can't understand him i just i love rocky (laughs) (laughs)
0: I love how this is like a confessional of like you admitting you love a very beloved character. One who is so beloved that they literally have a statue of him in Philadelphia, which I've taken a picture of. This is like
1: this is literally uh, not groundbreaking information to anybody, but it was nice to be reminded, like even in, you know, all these years later. That this character is still just like I don't know, man. I'm just trying to like go about my day. You want to train? It's, <laughs> it's gonna be hard. Like I, I'm gonna sit down. Like you, you do your. Like I'm gonna push you. Yeah. Bell. The bell does not dismiss you, but I'm gonna take a nap.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm gonna go I, talk I, to
1: my I, wife and sit on a chair and like bring her a flower in the graveyard. <laughs> That's all I yeah. want to do today.
0: And and I will say. Like, Rocky's two through six gets away from that initial meeting of Rocky. And, like, granted, there's still an emotional journey. It it does become more masculine because Sylvester Stallone is like, I'm buff. All of the things that you're saying, like, the fact that it does kind of stay in line with this first time we meet Rocky in what 1970, whatever, you know, testament to Ryan Coogler, who is a writer or co-writer and sole director of this movie, but we'll get Mm -hmm. to him. I'm sure. Did you feel like you were lost at any points in the movie because you hadn't seen the other six movies?
1: Yeah. So that is uh, definitely something that like I have thought about a lot is that there's little things that I didn't pick up on and I've got a few questions towards the end here, but generally as long as you understand that like Rocky Balboa was a very famous boxer and he ended up boxing the world's best boxer, Apollo Creed. That's kind of all you need to know. The rest of it is like little stuff. Like I, I'm around movies enough to know that like I recognize the shorts. I recognized like when Donnie is like running in the, the gray sweatsuit. I was like, ah, oh, that's a Rocky reference. But like things like that. But there's I mean, I think I texted you when Adonis and Rocky first meet and they're talking about the photo of him and Apollo. And I was like, I don't quite understand this conversation, but I kind of don't need to. Like, I get the vibe of like, Rocky understands he, this kid knows more than he should. Who is he? And like, yeah. that's kind of what, <laughs> that's all you needed to understand really <laughs> um, out of the conversation. So I think that generally you, kind of don't need to see them to get the point of the movie i like that it can kind of stand on its own but you do understand some of those little mcu style easter eggs if you have seen all of the movie there is payoff if you've seen them all but it's not mandatory
0: that's good i just was because again i can never see this movie with fresh eyes so it's good to hear that you know independently it could just kind of stand on its own um what else kind of stood out to you in this movie
1: yeah, so I was we were just talking about that that scene where I had kind of I had made a note earlier. I thought that there was like a shocking lack of race commentary in this movie, and it's not bad. It doesn't need race commentary. It was a lot of like underdog black guy fighting a powerful white guy. Like that that happened as well. Doesn't need it, obviously. It kind of yeah. this surpasses race. But race also is involved in everything. So, like, it it is being a Ryan Coogler movie. I think I was most surprised that there wasn't even like a mention or a line or something.
0: I I think your point to the race commentary is taking well. I will say, the thing that Ryan Coogler and this movie does is like shows the black people in Philly, which the first Rocky movie doesn't do. They're in North Philly. They're at Front Street Gym, They're showing like the side of Philly that definitely exists and was like not really shown that much in any of the Rocky movies.
1: Yeah, like I said, it it definitely like it didn't need it, but I was expecting like a line or That's fair. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but Yeah, I didn't feel like the movie lost any gravitas by like not saying anything. I do appreciate that that it seemed like a predominantly black cast and like the the life around that area seemed very reflexive. So something else that I thought about is maybe you and I can have this conversation right now. So you always say that you like it, but that it's like not really a great film. And I disagree like people really like this movie i understand it is definitely like a movie that like did not need to be made but i think that people like are happy it got made and they watch it and they're like hell yeah they did a great job can you like maybe explain more of like your hesitation with like
0: this movie and its reception yeah no i don't say like that it's not like i love this movie so it is a great movie I'm saying, so like, you know, whenever Black Panther was first, the conversation of Black Panther was like, oh, this could be like a Best Picture winner. And there were some people like, that superhero movie? Because it's a Rocky movie, because it's a IP-laden movie, it just comes with that kind of inherent like, yeah, it's good for a Rocky movie. You know, it's good for a saga type of thing. So people don't think of it as like a prestige film you know and and mainly when i when this conversation is had it's mostly from like a white lens right an old Mm -hmm. white lens but like you know when people talk about the great movies of the 2010s it's not like creed's really coming up even though i put creed up there with like the Social Network or like, I don't know, Phantom Thread or Ladybird or any of the great 2010s movies. But you don't really hear it in that conversation. So as a person who loves movies, and I say my favorite movie is Creed, sometimes I can tell when people are like, really? Like, dude, yeah. you, know, you know, and it's not a guilty pleasure because I love this movie too much to feel guilty about it. But I can tell when people are like, judge the love for it. It's like, you know, People laugh at the Fast and Furious franchise, but Fast Five is legitimately a great heist movie. Sometimes it's dragged down by lesser entries in the saga. Same with Rocky. Like Rocky Five, not good. Rocky Balboa, yeah, it's fine. But other than the first Rocky, none of the other movies are getting awards considerations, right? So that's what I mean whenever it's like, I love Creed and it's my favorite movie, but it's probably, I don't think, not taken as seriously from people who say they love quote-unquote cinema. You know?
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Does that's, that make sense? That's
1: fair. You no, know, no, no. I totally understand. I just like, I watched it and I was like, no, that was like legitimately great. Like, I'm like, wait a second. I'm missing something. Cool. Uh, the last thing, which I think you're going to fight me on, the last thing I sort of took notice of is didn't care for the HBO or the part in the interruption. Didn't like it. Took me out of that's the movie. Fair. I understand that it's supposed to be like grounding and it's like, this is existing in our world as well. And it's also like, for the sports people and I I understand that but I thought every single time it was happening especially the PTI thing it just like immediately took me out of the movie they could have made like him being known in like now internationally as Creed's son like could have been you know Bianca could have been like the things going viral or something like she could have just said something and we wouldn't have had like two minutes on ESPN but that wasn't the like it's not for me so <laughs> i get it but it did like kind of take me out every single time it happened
0: that's fair It's literally is just it's a fun way to do an exposition dump it's a yeah. fun way to world build where it's like there could have been a conversation with rocky and adonis where were like oh pretty ricky conlon he's from liverpool and he's fighting and but like he needs to, he needs a fight because he has this gun charge that's why you're getting but it's more fun to just do it really quick of like Hey, let's like HBO wants to be in on this movie. All right, cool. It, it's kind of like almost like that cosign too from the boxing world of like every fighter legit like will reference Rocky as like a real influence or inspiration or like like he's a real person in the world. And so it's kind of one of those things where it's like, Yeah, yeah, let's make him a real person in the world. And I understand but, but I also understand it's like hella corny where you're like, wait we're on ESPN like why why am i watching these hot take guys but because i guess for like people who have lived in this world forever it's almost like he's already part of the sport lexicon in the real world that it's like yeah sure
1: but i also like do appreciate that like when hbo first started it like was very dependent on boxing and like that that is like a legitimate connection between those two things and i i i did appreciate that like that they weren't showing it on Sports Center or something, that they were showing it like on HBO like time. Um also, I think they should just put the movie on HBO Max if HBO got paid for part of this movie <laughs> or fair. on Disney Plus because ESPN also got paid for part of this movie and they're owned by Disney. So somewhere they should put it for free on streaming is my point as to large entities with streaming services.
0: Are benefiting off of this movie <laughs> there you go <laughs> so other than you know the capitalism of it all uh what else have, you about since, have you thought about most since watching
1: two big things i've thought about is i kind of love that i've only seen rocky one because they mm-hmm. seem very in parallel with each other it's sort of you know underdog guy that has a dream that no one thinks he can achieve trans really hard to do the thing to fight the biggest guy in the world doesn't win, but gives it his all, gets the gal, has a great time. Like, you have very similar training sequences down to the gray sweatsuit. Like, there's a lot of running in the movie. You know, there is a love interest. I don't think that Tessa Thompson's character, Bianca, is nearly as impactful as Adrian is. But I do think trying to fall in love while you're also training for the hardest thing in the world that's all happening at the same time too. So I thought I thought that these were really good, like complements of each other, and I think that's maybe why the movie was so successful is that it didn't try to rewrite the Rocky Balboa story. It put him in the mentorship role and allowed sort of the new Rocky to kind of come in. And I also like that Rocky just is like a grouchy man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Of course he is. Yeah,
0: it's a good point taken. Where it's like. In Rocky 1, it's about this guy who doesn't really have a legacy trying to make his way and try to, like, prove to more himself that he can be great or can be, like, can hold himself at a higher esteem, right? Like, there's that conversation with him and Adrian in the first movie where he's like, I just want to go the distance. Like, that's all Mm -hmm. he cared about, right? It was just, like, it's really this underdog story of, like, he just wants to show everybody that he is
1: good. Worthy of being there.
0: Whereas you know creed as like kind of a meta thing like creed is carrying the legacy of the franchise and like is dealing more with becoming his own person while also you know do i distance myself from the franchise and my father's legacy or do i kind of pay homage to it like in and that mm-hmm. whole battle is kind of the evolution of it i guess but yeah parallels rocky one like are so obvious but also kind of taken well like right we've seen so many movies where that's done worse
1: Yeah, it definitely could have been like way corny, but I thought they did a really good job of it. And then, of course, uh, another thing that I have been thinking a lot about is just Ryan Coogler and Michael B. Jordan. They started together in 2013 doing Fruitville Station. The movie was relatively low key. It had some film festival success and prestige. And I think people started to pay attention to Ryan Coogler. People kind of knew who Michael B. Jordan was. He, he had had a television career before that, had been in a couple of different movies, but n- nothing like this. And then just two years later, they come out with Creed, which absolutely could have been a flop but is obvious that Ryan Coogler really cares about this franchise and really like wanted to do right by it. And I'm glad that he and, you know, Michael B. Jordan have such a good relationship together that he was able to, to tap him in for, for this one. And then of course, you know, in 2018, they, they reconnect and they do black Panther. I am interested to find out what Michael B. Jordan can do outside of Ryan Coogler in a movie world. But I also understand that, like, you know, Wes Anderson has his people and he directs those people best. Like Ryan Coogler has his people. He directs those people best. Fucking Jordan Peele and Daniel Kaluuya. Not that Daniel Kaluuya can't act outside of Jordan Peele. Obviously, that's been disproven. But there are some actors and writers that go together. But I would love to see Michael B. Jordan do something as successful as you know these level of movies and really embody a character the way he has in movies that Ryan Coogler has made that he hasn't really outside of these few films on film like he has a very prestigious television career and I really like Michael B. Jordan of course but I kind of want to see what's What's in the cards for the next 10 years for him is what I'm interested in.
0: You know, Ryan Coogler, Michael B. Jordan. I made a joke note that like Ryan Coogler loves showing a kid early in his movie who later becomes Michael B. Jordan. So like obviously Killmonger, yes. like they, that's how they opened Black Panther. And another thing I liked about the way Coogler and Michael B. Jordan teamed up in this movie, like they're both from California. Obviously Coogler mm-hmm. from the Bay Area, Oakland specifically, and Michael B. Jordan's from L.A. And so like I love that they made Donnie from L.A., To Philly. Like they were both the fish out of water learning how to be in Philly in this rocky thing. And to the point of Michael B. Jordan, I feel like with Black Panther and his performance in Killmonger, kind of like was gasoline to the fire of the debate of like, is Michael B. Jordan good? Mm-hmm. Is he a good actor? Because his movies outside of Coogler are not awesome. Like you have the Fantastic Four movie, which is objectively bad. You have Just Mercy, which he's like pretty good in. But like Jamie Foxx is the performance in that movie. Most recently you have Without Remorse, which is fine. Like... It- yeah. You know, I just I want Michael B. Jordan to be better at being angry on screen. Like At least to this point of both of their careers, it seems like Michael B. Jordan needs Coogler more than Coogler needs Michael B. Jordan in terms of making something great.
1: I agree. Um, but I would love to see Michael B. Jordan. And you know what? I don't know him. Maybe <laughs> this is his lane and I'm grateful for everything that he'll give me in his lane. I don't know. But I think that he's a very good actor and I would love to see him in sort of like a... Oscar Isaac type leading male role, maybe in a heist movie, maybe in like a marriage drama movie, you know, maybe he's in sort of like a, a mystery crime movie. Maybe he plays a detective, maybe like, I would like to see him kind of like stretch those muscles outside of like, look how Buff I am. <laughs> and I will famously always watch Michael B Jordan be buff on screen. That's fine with me. But Same. I, I yeah, he's an objectively beautiful man. But I think he has the chops to do kind of a next level thing and I'd be interested to see like I said what is what his career looks like in the next couple of years in or outside of a Ryan Coogler film.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because Michael B Jordan, I guess we're in a world where we're like post movie star. We have people who are in movies a lot and who are like stars but we don't have that like transcendent movie star and michael b Jordan's probably one of the closer candidates to that where he's like both a celebrity business person and also like an actor but it's interesting like the choices he's making so like on his yeah. docket right now is like he has a remake of the thomas crown affair which like there's your heist movie and then he will Hell also yeah. star in a movie called a journal for jordan which is supposed to be directed by denzel washington and then he's making a third creed movie because they made a sequel to this so yeah. i don't know he's 34 years old, he has like, you know, 40 years of movies left in him or however many he wants. So I I could talk about Michael B. Jordan forever. So after watching this movie, what were like some of the first things you looked up afterward?
1: I wanted to know if Michael B. Jordan did any of his own fights because they were pretty (laughs) gruesome. And it turns out he did all of his own fights, which is (laughs) fucking crazy to me. Like that man's face is probably insured for like a million dollars. Like and some of the I mean, I understand. That it's mostly makeup. I get it. Like, I'm not an idiot. But (laughs) some of those scenes, I was like, damn, those those look like really hard (laughs) punches, but you know he's talked a lot about and so Sylvester Stallone talked a lot about how much Michael B. Jordan trained for this movie you know there's the the famous anecdote where he comments about getting knocked out one time during filming and and stuff like that so that was like that was really interesting I figured someone as beautiful as Michael B. Jordan would just get a stunt double but I guess not good for him gotta gotta get into it um (laughs) I wanted to know if it won any Oscars. Sylvester Stallone was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, but ended up losing. And he did win the Golden Globe for the Best Supporting Actor, which did spawn a very odd acceptance speech that people talk about. Uh, If you haven't seen it, you can go find it on on YouTube. I watched it quick today. But, you know, he kind of thinks every single person except for Michael B. Jordan and Ryan Coogler, like the Two main men of color who are involved in the in the movie, you know. Later, it is said that he came on stage after you know while they were on commercial break and did thank them and commented that he was just really swept up in the moment. But it's just kind of like it was like a, a a cultural moment where people were like on Twitter, like um. We're like missing some people here in this acceptance speech, but yeah,
0: and like yeah, and if you looked up like Sylvester Stallone at all in the last three years, it's like kind of rough, but
1: yeah, no, 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 for sure. So it did not win any Oscars, but it was nominated. Sylvester Stallone specifically was nominated. Um, The movie itself wasn't, but I also wanted to know. This is a something I've also thought about a lot. It kind of will go into many of these categories. Why did Rocky have cancer in this movie? It was very hard to watch. It was <laughs> very brutal. Could he have had other ailments instead of giving him cancer? And then I was thinking, did Sylvester Stallone have cancer? And then they just played it into the movie. No, doesn't. Just yeah, a fine, healthy man. Um, I guess the idea is that you need. So, there has to be like something to fight for. Like I, I get that. But like, could we have done it without like multiple just. Brutal scenes of watching him deteriorate. I. It was very upsetting. <laughs> Protect Rocky Balboa at all costs.
0: Amanda, I, I hate to break it to you, but in like Rocky Five, he was he had like CTE. He had like yeah, no brain that damage. Makes,
1: that makes sense, though. No, no, no. Like, but that, like,
0: but then they just like it just went away. So, yeah. so
1: <laughs> it just is like it just was like an odd left turn in the movie that I wasn't expecting. Um, yeah. That I c- kind of don't think was necessary. We didn't really like he could be like losing the restaurant like we could have given him a lot of other things that like Adonis could have been fighting to help him with the side like chemotherapy that lasted like three weeks and then he was like traveling internationally. It was (laughs) very strange, Um, but you know, I did appreciate the I fight and if you fight I I the the sentiment was very nice.
0: (laughs) I think if this is just a random boxing movie and rocky is just an old trainer who used to be a fighter but like people hadn't known him for four decades we're not going to get like an emotional storyline about rocky but because it is sylvester stallone they're like all right we need to like kind of do a dual main character type thing
1: yeah but yeah it fair. is. it is
0: like it is like oh of course they made rocky sick because they need to have the they need to make you worried about him in some capacity or whatever
1: I'm always worried about it. <laughs> oh, <my>
0: God. <laughs> okay, Adrian. <laughs> Jesus, Adrian. I love it. Rocky. It's so, good. Anyway.
1: it's so good. Yeah, but anyway, that was just like – I, I looked it up. I was like, why did they make this creative decision? There are no answers. It was just a creative decision, <laughs> which I guess is fine. Ryan Google can do whatever he'd like, but
0: those are really my only big questions. Did you have any questions like that you want me to answer? I mean, I know I've just been like – mansplaining the Rocky franchise for the last like 45 minutes but
1: that's okay I have uh mansplained just musical theater as a genre to you so it's it's even this is why we're doing this but <laughs> um fair. you you kind of touched on it but I think the thing that I didn't understand throughout the movie that maybe was worth watching some of these movies for or maybe doing a little bit of pre-research was I didn't understand that like Apollo Creed and Rocky Balboa were like, not enemies, but they were like opponents for they were rivals. Like, yeah, rivals. Yeah, that's a good word for it. rivals. But they were also like, really good friends. Like when the one person made a comment about like, Rocky having spoken at the funeral, I was like, why would he speak at his rival's funeral? Like that doesn't make sense
0: to me. So in Rocky three, Mickey dies. And then Rocky loses and kind of loses his inspiration to fight. And Apollo comes and trains Rocky and kind of gets him back into the sport and, and all that. And but mm-hmm. so Apollo, when he's like, hey, Rocky, I'll train you. I'll, you just owe me a favor. And Rocky's like, what favor? And you don't learn until the end of the fight or the end of the movie that the favor is that Apollo wants a third fight, but not like a real third fight. He just wants to let, like, let's go again. And then the movie ends on like a very famous like 80s ass screen grab. At the end of Rocky 3 they're best friends. I mean, and that's the thing too. Like it's common in combat sports. Oftentimes, like after you punch each other in the face for a long time and the guy, the guy is still standing, you're like, okay, cool. Sometimes that does evolve into like friendships. Like it's been common where it's like uh, UFC fighters. Like if a guy submits one another one, there's been times where after the fight, they're like, can you explain what you did to me? Like, you know, can you, can you teach yeah. me like what? hell happened or they become training partners or or you know they kind of just build a relationship in that. But yeah, in terms of the Rocky universe, yeah, they become friends and then they're just like, hey, remember the time we beat the shit out of each other twice? Yeah.
1: Cool. Uh are there any like last comments or or um questions you have for me or just things you noticed in your rewatch that you wanted to to add before we leave?
0: And let me say Ludwig gorson went in on this score. Like the way he ghosts in bits of the classic adrian theme the classic rocky theme all it's of so it good. um
1: the th- even like like uh, adonis's themes like the creed themes like the 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 music is really good in this movie
0: well obviously the the running scene where it slows down and has the motorcycles like great I uh, also just wanted to say uh i just wanted to say also max's steaks in north philly i went there uh when i was in philadelphia for work really good fucking rules i mean cheese steaks nice. Obviously great, but uh, definitely went there by myself just because I was like, oh, it's it's the one in Creed. Yeah, uh, and no, tried not totally. To look like totally. And tried not to look like a doofus while I ordered my uh, steak with both kind of peppers on that. Just wanted to like make sure we shouted out the one take fighting scene. This movie has like probably the most realistic boxing. It's still movie boxing, but most realistic boxing of any Rocky movie. And that one take... We're in the fight with Leo the Lion and, and Adonis and it's a round and a half and they do it all in one shot. It blows my mind every time, but particularly like you've never seen a boxing scene shot like that. And it's like it yeah. puts you in the ring. They talk about how they film that for like 12 hours and that's so taxing. Like they're doing every single one of those takes. And, you know, boxing fights often like now are just like three minutes for 12 rounds. But they did that for 12 hours for this movie. I love that scene. Sometimes I'll just fire it up for that scene.
1: I wanted Truly to like, shot a couple other scenes that I really liked. I didn't catch that it was all in one take. I'll definitely oh, like go have,
0: back, go back and yeah, yeah I'll have to
1: rewatch it. That's really cool. I know we're I like, like
0: in 2021, we're like one or overdosed, right? Because of <laughs> yes. like true detective and like battle of the bastards and everything like that. But you watch it again and you'll be like, Whoa. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cool. I'll definitely do that. I liked the scene where, you know, the doctor is telling donis how many fingers the like ref is holding up i was like oh that's that i like that's fine that's cool obviously the scene with all the atvs and the training like that's super that just gets you going right there that's perfect uh rocky franchise stuff there was a lot of like really good just like not to now be the shots girl but like there's a lot of really good shots (laughs) in this movie
0: yeah and like again it's a meticulous movie made movie too where it's like a lot of the people around the movie or like the pe- people in the movie like stitch is a real cut man padman was a real person who helped had a trainer in philadelphia he passed away after the movie um the three of the boxers that are in the movie are real boxers like tony bellew is really from liverpool he really loves uh everton instead of the correct team and you know just small <laughs> stuff like that where it's like okay like they you see it in sports movies all the time where it's like, why don't they just ask a person who does the sport what they do about this? You got to stop me because I'll probably talk about the ways all love this movie. But I will ask you, would you watch it again? Or, you know, would you just like want to never think about Rocky Balboa ever again? Because, you know, I'll talk about it for two hours.
1: No, I'll totally watch it again. I think I want to watch the second one. It seems more people liked Creed 2 than they did like Rocky 4. So, oh, no, might be- Rocky 4 no?
0: is like all timer. Rock- Creed okay, 2 is like mind. fine rocky 4 might be people's actual favorite rocky movie
1: i just picked a random number i was wrong um but
0: (laughs) rocky 4 stopped the cold war i don't know if you know this amanda oh yeah i'm not i'm not joking
1: (laughs) i love rocky balboa he is an american (laughs) war hero now
0: (laughs) (laughs) i mean in a way in a way you gotta watch the the movies you gotta find out
1: Yeah, so I think I will continue in the Creed pathway um, and then maybe backtrack. But uh, yeah, I'll totally watch it again. It was great. Super hype.
0: Thanks for tolerating me. Uh, I'm glad you liked it. Uh, Hey, man,
1: (laughs) I made you watch a a movie about transsexual aliens. So uh, that's fun.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You you know, layers. We all have layers and we're going to keep uncovering them for one another because that's what the whole point of this podcast is, and also movies, because there are so many stories to tell. Speaking of which, uh, do you want to just talk about what the next movies are?
1: Yeah. Okay. So it's going to be Christmas time soon, my favorite time of the year. And so we're going to do some backdoor Christmas movies, Some, some movies that are Christmas movies, but not really Christmas movies. Maybe movies you watch around Christmas time. Maybe you get into an argument on Twitter defending that this is a Christmas movie. We're kind of in that realm. So I am picking for Zach, Edward Scissorhands, the Tim Burton movie.
0: And then for Amanda, I am picking the classic, The Thin Man, a fun murder mystery. Really just trying to, you know, again, nail the target audience, I guess, here. Yeah. Um, Uh,
1: What do you know about Edward Scissorhands?
0: I know that he has scissors as hands. It's a nice. Tim Burton movie, and I think Johnny Depp is in it. Um, yes. And I know that when I was in middle school, I thought it was weird, and so I never watched it. Yeah. So that's, that's about it. What do you know about The Thin Man?
1: Well, nothing. I know literally <laughs> nothing about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> i've never heard of it when you were like you should watch the thin man and i was like sure and you're like sorry to give you more old movies and i was like with a gun to my head i couldn't have told you what movie like, what era this, this movie came out i've never heard of it this is
0: by far the oldest movie i've made you watch it's from 1934 i don't want to tell you the main couple's name because no. like that's one of the fun parts of like that's one of the parts of the movie where i was like "Ooh, okay i i get yeah. that i'm excited to watch yeah. ever Hands. i don't think i've watched Many Tim Burton movies other than like the first two Batman movies.
1: Yeah. Uh you and I talked a little bit about this. Obviously, like I, I've said on the podcast before, like in you know, middle school and high school as big Tim Burton person. It was very classic for those of us who were shopping weekly at Hot Topic um during that time. <laughs> There's it's to be the, fair, I
0: like I would go to Hot Topic and like want to buy stuff and then think like I'm not cool enough.
1: Good. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Jesus. So I just it was a lot of time spent in that room it has to give me some sort of benefit the illusion of being cool all these years later is fine. Yeah, Tim Burton has a lot of movies that I really like, but I don't think that there are a lot of Tim Burton movies where if you haven't seen them you are like actually missing something in your cinematic experience in the world. But I think Edward Scissorhands is like a very proper combination of like his world building his His weirdness, but the beauty in it, and also like how well he works with Johnny Depp. He's done a lot of other movies with Johnny Depp very famously, but I think that this is the clear winner of, of that combination. I'm really excited for you to watch it. It's also
0: very beautiful. I'm excited to watch it, especially since, like you said, like Tim Burton movies are always just like one of those things where you're like, you're getting into something and it's going to be Tim Burton.
1: It's very similar to Wes Anderson, where like it's art, but movie art, like it, it is, a, <laughs> it's a sculpture, but it's also a movie. And is it a uh, feeling? No, it's more okay. like it's more art uh, than anything, <laughs> but yeah, it's good. I think you'll like it um, aside from Edward Scissorhands. What else is on your watch list
0: at the moment? I don't know. It's kind of just, I'm in a weird movie thing where I'm just kind of, I have all my lists and none of the movies on my lists are, like, speaking to me. And so I'm just going to start firing them up. Like, I will I might fire up, like, Shakespeare in Love or Jurassic Park 2. I'm kind of in, like, an unhinged, I've watched a lot of movies phase. But also in the next, well, I guess by this time when people are listening to it, I will hopefully have seen Dune, like, three times. And No Time to Die. And mm-hmm. probably The Eternals by the time, you know. Uh, so... There's a lot coming in theaters, which I'm excited about. we also have
1: Last Night in Soho and Wes Anderson's movie, French Dispatch, will be out by now.
0: Oh, yeah. Amanda, movies are back. Cinema. Amanda, what's on your watch list?
1: Um, On my watch list, obviously, is to finish The Sopranos before uh, the movie comes out, but is also, I've had The Lincoln Lawyer on there for a while that I've been meaning to watch. Things like that there. I think similar to you, I've, I've had this list for a while that I've been a little like just just like not watching and I need to just mm-hmm. like start firing through them because um, I know I'll like them. It just I don't know what stops me. But and if anyone has any suggestions for like the next big legacy TV show I should be watching, send me some suggestions. I'm open to suggestions.
0: Uh, can I have, give you a suggestion for an iconic TV show you should watch? Sure. Uh, One Tree Hill, an American classic, uh, a real story of just teenagers trying to find their way and also playing basketball.
1: Yeah, I've seen the pilot like six times. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <You> <laughs> Maybe know, I've
1: seen the second episode. I think <laughs> I'll give oh, it a shot. God. I'll give it a shot. I'll
0: watch that pilot. You really for the don't have time. to. It's not that. It's not that great. I love it, but it's not that great. I think also as these movies come out in theaters, it'll prompt like, oh. Uh, French Dispatch is watching let me finally fire up these Wes Anderson movies or yeah. uh, Dune is coming out let me fire up these Denis Villeneuve fight, uh, movies that I have they're all fights because you know yeah. everything's a fight um, everything's a fight shout out to Rocky
1: I love that. Is he your
0: favorite Italian man on film now?
1: no but <laughs> <laughs> I think that's like a really tough question um <laughs> um i don't know we can can, can leave
0: that for another day we can leave that for another day we've been recording for like two hours at this point
1: send me your favorite italian man on film please everyone text me (laughs) (laughs) all right thank you guys for listening uh here's where you can find us on the internet uh if you want to find us on instagram we are at blind spotters pod that's where you can know about your pod homework and other goodies and we are also on twitter at Blind Spotters, where Zach is firing off good content all the time. And Zach, where can people find you on Twitter?
0: You can find me on Twitter at Zach Poclev, And as always, you can follow me on Letterboxd to yeah. see how many times I watch Grace Kelly movies.
1: And if you would like to send me your favorite Italian man on film or any variation of a compliment, you can find me on all social media at Amanda Luberto. Uh... <laughs> I like compliments.
0: <laughs> Look, we all love compliments.
1: I'm just asking for some. That's all.
0: <laughs> Can I ask you like a really... I know we're trying to get out of here. What's up? But you, you texted me about the fire breathing during the walkout in Creed. I meant to ask you oh, about this earlier. That was badass. If you were walking out to a fight, what would be your song?
1: Oh, I should have predicted that you were going to ask me that. <laughs> all the music I listen to is so not this style
0: um we've had a fair walk out to spice girls and then knock a dude clean out like you can walk out to whatever you want
1: That's badass. I think I'd have to pick, if I'm thinking like I'm getting hyped up and I'm like ready to go, I'm going to have to pick like an early Dylan Francis song, which is like (laughs) such like a deep cut of my interests, but I'm going to just like surpass like the actual music that I listen to and just listen to like right before I go to like a big party full of people I don't know, like music of like hyping yourself up. You're getting out there. you got lots of energy. I'm going to go with like something off of like 2015's this mixtape is fire. That's a that's an oldie something in there. Beautiful.
0: Beautiful. What I just learned you? that. I it changes all the time because I don't know if I want to go whimsical or like serious. I do think walking out to who at boy would be really tight.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good one.
0: Like yeah. just giving the long intro and everything like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good yeah. one. Oh, by anyway. the time this podcast comes out, I will have seen Tyler the Creator. That's fun.
0: Oh, that is fun. Shout out to you. Yeah. Shout out to Tyler Shout the out Creator.
1: To me. Shout out to Tyler, the creator. Shout out to Rocky Balboa. Shout out to Italian Shout out to on movies. screen. <laughs> Shout out to movies. Shout out
0: to Dr. Frankenfurter.
1: Yeah. Hell yeah. Shout out to Tim Curry in general. Just what a guy. Shout out to you Susan watch, Sarandon. You should watch Clue. Actually, that's what you should watch. You're you're getting side homework now. You're getting uh, sec, <laughs> secondary homework. You should watch Clue. It's very okay. funny.
0: I'll watch Clue and then you can watch Rocky's two through six
1: oh that seems like a lot more movies than i gave, <laughs> than i gave you i'll watch either rocky or creed 2 by the time i see you next
0: that sounds good let's all get right. out of here here
1: let's do it all right they want us out of here thank you guys so much for listening as always uh you guys know where to find us and we will catch you next time bye do the time warp